Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today it is a throwback review as voted on by you, the audience, and we will be reviewing Gladiator on this episode, which is episode number 50 of the Silver Screen Podcast. Congratulations to the both of us. That is so cool. Yay, us. I can't believe we did it. I remember you and I were both a little (laughs) distraught, though, because we really wanted the James Bond movie to be number 50. Yeah. And if it would have come out when it was supposed to, if coronavirus hadn't impacted the whole world, it probably would have been episode 50 or very close to it. We definitely could have made some things happen to make it episode 50 because it would have come out. Yeah, this past weekend. So, yeah, it would have probably been episode 50, which is wild. So and everything (laughs) has been delayed and pushed back and move except for one movie, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, I did see, though, if you were excited about the Pixar movie Soul, Katie, that 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 did get pushed back as Uh, well. I was so looking forward to that. I mean, that's okay because that means we can see it later. But I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, it moved from uh, June to November. So it will come out in November now. I actually could help it do better since it's closer to award season because it looks very, very high quality from Pixar. So it'll now come out on November 20th. So um, that's kind of a bummer. Mulan is scheduled to come out July 24th. I feel like that's iffy at this point with I Disney. Know. It's going to be real and, close with July, I think, end of July for something to come out. Yeah, so. and I really want Mulan to do well for a lot of reasons, yeah. but specifically for the Asian community, I mm-hmm. want that to be a big hit. And it's such a different take on it than some of the other mm-hmm. remakes we've seen. So I'm excited to see how they kind of do that with a, it looks like somewhat of a different story and not like The Lion King, which was literally just a shot for shot remake of the regular <laughs> Lion King. Right. So right. yeah, that'll be interesting. But one uh, movie that did release some still photos this week is none other than Dune starring our boy Timothy Chalamet, mm. which will be out later this year, correct? Yes, it's supposed to come out in December. Okay. It has not moved. I don't think they're going to move it. I no. think December is far enough out. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that there will be a sense of somewhat quote unquote normalcy. Um, but I'm pumped for that movie. And that is a book that I have to read before it comes out. Um, and I already have my dad's copy at my apartment, but I haven't started it because I'm trying to get through a huge stack of books before I get to some like super difficult ones. So Dune is one of the okay. what I'm calling a super difficult one. Yeah, so super I don't long, know when I'm going to start it. Yeah, it's long. <laughs> and I do think it's kind of hard. Okay. I, I think it's more challenging of a challenging read. And it is sci-fi. And you know how I feel about sci-fi. However... In our update about what we're reading and watching, I had a surprise for you because I am reading a sci-fi book right now. Oh, good to know. Can't wait for that. And mm-hmm. uh, Dune cast, of course, Timothy Chalamet in the lead role. Uh, Zendaya is mm. also in this. Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, and Jason Momoa are all involved, too. What so, a cast. A lot of people in this movie, Dune, which will be out December 18th of this year. And like you, I think I think that will hold steady. Um, I hope mm-hmm. hopefully by December we are back to a little bit of normalcy, even if we're sitting like, you know, every other seat in the movie theater or right. every other row is full or something. You know, we've had to adapt, but I feel like by that point, we will have figured something out to allow people to go to the movies again, even if it's a smaller, you know, you may not see every single seat full for like a sold out show, Mm -hmm. but um, I think we still will be able to do stuff like that, hopefully in December. So we will see. But that um, pictures for that came out. No trailer or anything yet, but there are some still photos. The still photos look really cool. Looks Mm -hmm. very dystopian science fiction 
esque. Um, it's directed by Denis Villeneuve, um, who has done some other stuff like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and also Arrival, and some other really. He loves psych science fiction type movies, so yes. I think that will be good. The next thing um, is that SNL did an episode from people's houses, basically SNL from home. I thought it was pretty good. Tom Hanks hosted, if you want to call it that. He basically did the opening monologue and then introduced Chris Martin of Coldplay. So if this had been like a real episode of SNL, it probably would have been our dream episode. But I know, um, <laughs> I know. I've mentioned so we have uh so I am fortunately still working and we use Slack and we share different music every day that everybody's listening to. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I shared Coldplay because one day I just listened to Coldplay all day. And I know you you and I both know there's some serious Coldplay haters. Uh there so are. yeah, some people definitely turned on me at work, but I was like, you know what, you guys are haters, forget you. Um so when this episode came out of SNL, people were like, Katie, Coldplay, <laughs> Tom Hanks, there you go. And I was like, I know, also, it's for me. Everybody talks about hating on Coldplay, but yet we saw them in concert and where we had to go was Chicago. They did not come to Indianapolis and they played the Bears right. football stadium and sold it out. So, and it was sold out and yeah. it was, people were having the best time. You and I had the best. I, I think I lost my voice that night if I remember correctly because I was screaming so much. They are very fun in concert. So if you ever get a chance to see Coldplay in concert, definitely check them out. But yeah, that's my always my argument is like, oh, everybody hates on Coldplay, yet they sell out football stadiums for their right. they concert seem to tours. Have a following. So, yeah, they seem and pretty popular. And they're just popular. so positive. They're just so like, like about unity and people should love each other. That That's their message. And I don't think a lot of bands actually do that. Yeah, they seem very genuine, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. And like you said, always about positivity and bringing people together and supporting one another, which is which is cool. So their concerts definitely embody yeah. that. And uh, for the SNL episode, I was going to say I, there was like two things that I really liked that I thought were good. The Zoom meeting sketch that basically A.D. <laughs> Bryan and Kate McKinnon were just doing whatever crazy thing they could. That was one of my favorites. Um, Me too. I, I also really liked the masterclass uh, sketch with yes. like teaches you how to dress like Timothy Chalamet, um, how to do TikToks <laughs> like Jojo Siwa and how to ride your bike like Carol Baskin. That I thought was very good by Chloe Feynman. Some of the other ones were a little lacking. Um, I thought some of them were good. The one, I forget who did it. I can't remember now. Um, but the one where like there was various tasks that were being completed, like which piece of toast is going to pop up first? Which laptop is oh, going to yeah, turn yeah, on? Yeah. That was, that one, I forget. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was Mikey Day, but I don't think it's Mikey Day who did that one. No, I think you're right. Okay. I think it is Mikey is it? Day. Okay. I, I remember, so that one, I didn't pay as much attention to the one, the JoJo Siwa, the one you're talking about. Yeah. The Zoom meeting was definitely my favorite. <laughs> like the Zoom meeting to me was just like real life. Like I thought they didn't even have to really try hard to find ideas no. because so many people are struggling with this. Or I go to meetings now that are clients of ours, not even necessarily people I work with every day. And some of them just refuse to turn their cameras on. They do not want you to see their home. They nope. don't want you to see what they look like. I've even had people comment on what my, cause I'm in an apartment. So like my office is in my living room <laughs> office. That's hilarious. I have a desk with two computers on it and the computers <laughs> are on a stack of Harry Potter books, <laughs> which I want to read, but I was like, your service for the next few months is to hold up my computers. Thank you. Um, nice. Yeah, that one was I, very the Zoom funny. Meeting one, hilarious. And yeah. Tom Hanks, you're right. I, I don't, I think it's cute that they <laughs> considered him a host, but mainly I was just so happy to see him alive and well, and he looked really good and healthy. Yeah, he looked great. He did have his head shaved. He said that was for a movie though. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I liked during his monologue how he took questions from the audience, which was just him dressed up as him. different people. So <laughs> that was also kind of funny. Um, and he can he, do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. He's really good, too, at balancing the fact that this is a serious situation and things are different. And yeah. I'm somebody that had this, you know, virus with also the fact right. that let's have a little bit of fun and try to laugh a little bit and get through this time. So um, and I don't know if he wrote that monologue or somebody wrote that for him, but it was pretty, pretty funny, like five minutes that he did. So um, and I feel like a lot of the staff probably just came up with things on their own. Um, I thought the Pete Davidson music videos were kind of fun, too. The Drake song one and the I have two thousand dollars um, looks like a lot, but it's not <laughs> yeah. really that much um, type oh, things. He, Those were kind of he's funny. He's grown on me. Like, would I yeah. date him? Absolutely not. Ariana Hard Grande pass. would, though. <laughs> I know. I know. But he he is funny. I appreciate that he is poking fun at himself. And I do think he has gotten some therapy and stuff, so I'm happy for him. Good yeah. for him for seeking the help. He seems to be in a little bit better place than he was he even does. a year or two ago. Um, and I think, he like does. you said, therapy has helped. He's talked about that a few times on SNL. Mm-hmm. And John Mulaney, I know, has like friended him too and and helped him out a little bit. Not to just plug John Mulaney. He's yeah. a great person. But I know they've done like some shows together <laughs> and he checks in on him and everything. So... Yes, yeah. I thought that was that, that was a pretty good episode of SNL, all things considered. I don't think they're going to do it every week, um, but as a one-off type thing, just to kind of get people doing some stuff, I thought it was it was pretty good. So, and I thought Weekend Update was kind of funny too with Colin and and so Michael. Did so I when Michael, so I heard about Michael's grandmother dying last week, yeah. which is really sad. Michael Chase grandma, but um, so I definitely feel for him. Um, but when he, he kind of lashed out on Twitter or Instagram or something, and people. We're okay. like, calm down, Michael Che. So, but uh, he brought up to, I know you saw this. I'm just telling yeah. people, the fans, <laughs> the fans. Um, he was like, well, my grandma loved when we did this part. And then he made, he made Colin do joke of the week or whatever. Like they exchanged yeah, jokes. Joke swap. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said he was lying and the joke was so funny. And I just, I, that part tickled me because like, I think those two seem like genuine friends. Yeah. So it's fun to watch them just mess with each other and have it's it like on tape. My grandma was getting up at 4 a.m. to do prayer circles. You think she's right. staying up you for SNL? You think she's SNL? watching SNL? Please. <laughs> so that was very funny. Yeah, they do seem to have a good chemistry. Also, Colin is so like, I don't know, like naive at times or yes. just plays it off like that. Um, but the joke swap thing is always funny when like they write jokes for each other. Michael's are always inappropriate because they're normally about African-Americans, which coming from Colin's <laughs> yes. mouth, it does not sound super appropriate, but it's all pretty funny um and the joke that he wrote was very funny um for colin to read so i thought that yeah it was a pretty good recon update they had alec baldwin come on the phone and do like donald trump which fine at this point that him doing trump is kind of it's just the same thing every single time so (laughs) i don't feel like it's as funny as it was when it first started but it's not but it does make me happy (laughs) So that's SNL at home, which is on Hulu if you would like to watch it. And finally, before we get into our review of Gladiator, we are going to talk a little bit about Tiger King, the Tiger King after show that dropped. This came out after we had done our episodes on Tiger King, the documentary, which is a two-part episode, so you can just scroll back a little in the feed find part one and part two of Tiger King. But they did the after show. It's like 40 minutes on Netflix. Joel McHale hosted. So it's kind of odd. Uh, He did make a joke, though, that in 2009, his stock was really high, which I thought was pretty appropriate. Like it's been about 10 years (laughs) since we've seen Joel McHale do anything 
really hilarious. I did see him do stand up one time and it was pretty good. <laughs> it was at the Palladium in Carmel, which if you don't know, is like yeah. a very fancy venue where they have classical music concerts and they're all about like the pish posh up in Carmel. But they had Joel McHale come and do stand up mm-hmm. there um, for whatever reason. And he was pretty funny. But he hosted this. I thought he was a good host. I thought he, he could you could clearly tell he'd watch the show. He'd taken some notes. He had good questions prepared. Um, and they talked to everybody for about five minutes, which is another thing that I really liked. Like it was not too long. Like let's catch up with these eight people or whatever, ask them three or four questions a piece and move on. So I liked that it was fast paced. I totally agree with you. And I thought that he he seemed to be pretty natural on not not Zoom, but whatever format they yeah. used. <laughs> Like he seemed really comfortable with it. And I think he had generally like a good rapport with people too. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you about the time limit because I wouldn't have wanted to watch an hour of each of them. Like I was already done with them from from my standpoint, (laughs) Uh, but it was nice to hear from each of them for only a few minutes and to just hear their reactions after the show, because they've even said they're like, we're not celebrities, but they really are in a way now because they're famous from this. Yeah, uh, proving our assumptions though, uh, Saf and John Rinky are still the the kindest people that work at the zoo. Yeah, um, absolutely. You could totally see that in the in the after show. Saf mm-hmm. also identifies as a man now, so yes, that's I, I'm glad changed. you pointed that out because I felt bad because I was listening to the episode playback and I was like, oh no, I I didn't know this at the time. So thanks for pointing that out because we did not know that that was how. He identified. Correct. And John Finley got new teeth, which look really good. He got teeth. (laughs) Yes. Arjun couldn't believe that was him. He looked over my shoulder because I was watching it and he's like, oh, is that that guy? I said, yeah, he got his teeth fixed. Um, But I said, they're fake. And he's like, well, yeah. I don't think there's anything. I don't know why I said they're fake. Like, obviously they're fake. Yeah, they're obviously fake. They're like whatever. Those things you can pop in. Um, But they look good and they look a lot better than his previous teeth. So um, there wasn't really anything crazy. Crazy that was talked about. Um, Rick at the end had some stuff about Joe that was kind of interesting. Um, and then anything you hear from Jeff and Lauren is going to kind of be skewed one way or another. So that you can only take with a grain of salt. So I thought it was fine. It was something to watch during this time of, you know, not being able to go outside or do anything. And you could tell they put it together pretty quickly once they figured out how popular the series was. But I thought it was put right. together well. Whoever edited it did a good job because, like you said, it was about five, seven minutes on each person. And we in 40 minutes, we had talked to, you know, seven, eight people or whatever, and we were done. So I thought that was that was pretty good. And we didn't need like clips from the show in there or anything like that. Um, and I thought Joel McHale asked the right people to write questions as far as what you would maybe want to hear from them. So, yes, agreed. So that was pretty good. That was um, the Tiger King after show, which is now on Netflix. And finally, before we get into our review, we will just talk a little bit about what we're watching and reading right now to try and stay sane. So, Katie, I know you're still reading a lot and you're on yes. your uh, how many books have you read during this time? I have. I'm not trying to brag. Um, some people also I think some people think I'm lying. I'm not lying. But what else am I doing? To be fair, I don't have children. Um, I'm not teaching anybody like I'm, I'm literally just doing the podcast. I go to, I would work every day. That's it. Um, I'm on my 13th book currently. Um, so that would have started, I think it was Pi day, like March 14th was when we officially started staying at home. At least our work, we, they, they, uh, not commanded it, but we were told don't come back on Monday, uh, earlier than most people. Um, so I'm on my 13th book, but a lot of the books I've read so far have not been 
they've not been super. There's okay. been a couple standouts, but the one I'm reading now is so good. I stayed up much too late last night starting it. Um, it's called Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. Okay. And it's he wrote for the show. Oh gosh, I can't think of it now. It it's the it was a show that people really liked that that Michelle Dockery was on. Oh, Why I'm can't not I think sure. of it? Um, I'll have to find it. But anyway, okay, I'm looking it up. He's he's also <laughs> written other books since then. There's one called Recursion, but he's a sci-fi writer, basically. And he oh, bad behavior. Good behavior. Okay. Good okay. behavior. <laughs> Keep looking it up, please. I'm he sorry. also worked, yeah, good behavior and uh Wayward Pines as well. Yes. He worked on yeah. both of those. So yes. And he but it's a sci-fi book, which I didn't realize that when I started it, but I'm super into it because it's definitely got a thriller element to it. Okay. Um so I wanted to point it out though to let you know I'm trying to venture out. And uh the book was written, it's a couple years old, but I remember that year it was one of those books that I saw everywhere. Like every magazine reviewed it, every newspaper, every person had it on Instagram. Um, but it's like a bright neon orange book, so you'll okay. recognize it and then the other thing tv wise i've been watching the crown i'm still watching it nice. but i'm in the first season so i'm not far along but i wanted people to know i seriously care about it because almost every show i watch i either have my phone on or i'm working on the computer or i'm like painting my nails like i'm doing something but the crown i, I give it all of my attention i don't do anything else when i'm watching it so i don't have any other show i don't have many shows that i do that with and then the other one i've been watching that i give my attention to is little fires everywhere on hulu, hulu. Okay. so that's almost done there's two weeks left and then the last uh Show is Killing Eve is back. So season three, I believe, just started on Sunday and I'm pumped. So I watched the first episode and it was fantastic. Nice. I have um, Thank you. Finished, Thanks for caring. finished the one book that I was reading and have moved <laughs> on great. to my second. Uh, I Go also, you. I also like to read, but I just read a little bit slower than Katie. So now I'm reading, like you, kind of a book that came out a couple years ago that was very popular that I got from the library right before they you know, shut down. So that is one nice <laughs> thing. If you have like any library books at this time, you basically just right. get to keep them until they reopen. So mm -hmm. um, the one I got, though, is Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. <gasps> by Gail Jared. Honeyman. So, yes, I that just started it. That was my favorite, it. not last year. 2017 it, is when it came out, yeah. I think it was last... Okay, okay, I think it was last year... I don't remember. It was whatever year I read it. No, okay. it was last year. It was in my like top five books. Okay. So I really liked it. I hope you do too. I thought but I'm it was, proud I, of you I, for I reading it. I think it's um it's very I've just started it, but basically it's about a girl named Eleanor who right now, in the beginning of the book at least, she doesn't have very many friends. She's not very like, you know, outgoing or whatever she just kind of keeps to herself but she goes to a concert and she sees this guy at this concert that she wants to like start dating and have a big crush on um so that's kind of how the book has started but it's really well written you can tell very early on like the tone of her character and the author gail honeyman does a good job of like setting up the her character and it, it, she works on like a typical office setting so it is it it's really relatable i think and it's really well written um so i'm excited to kind of mm -hmm. dive deeper into that and read more and then Quickly, two shows that I've been watching. One that I started is Shit's Creek on Netflix. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched that or not. <laughs> I like, haven't, but 
everyone has told me to watch it. So it's on my queue, but I haven't nice. gotten to it yet. Um, of course, Eugene Levy and Dan Levy, his son, star mm-hmm. in it. Um, they also like write a lot of the episodes, too. I'm not a big Eugene Levy fan. I never really watched him in anything before this. Um, I think the thing he's most well known for is like the American Pie movies, which I don't think I've ever seen. So... Um, but he is on this show and his, his son is on it too. And Catherine O'Hara and Anne Murphy are like the main four characters is very funny. It's mm-hmm. very lighthearted. Um, if you want a good show during this time to just like take your mind off what's going on and the episodes are short, they're like 20 minutes. So I'm really enjoying it. I'm already almost at the end of the second season. Um, it just finished up like a few weeks ago, actually, like had the season finale. So oh, yeah, that, yeah. that season will probably be on Netflix here shortly. But I think it's really funny. If you're looking for a comedy to watch, that's definitely one. And then I also started um, Westworld on HBO. Oh, did you? And I'm four episodes into that. That is mm-hmm. like The Crown, one that you have to totally pay attention to when you're watching oh, it. Yeah. You really cannot be doing anything else. You're constantly, but I really like the the concept of it it's very sci-fi heavy so if you like science fiction you'll probably enjoy it it's very like heady makes you think um i think it's interesting i did not read the it's based off a stephen king book i believe i think um that i can't confirm i actually don't know that maybe that's not true um so but sorry. I'll tell you. Or, let oh, me Michael know how Crichton. It is. Sorry, Michael oh, Crichton. Oh, that sounds right. Okay, that's who yep. I was trying to. Not Stephen King. Michael Crichton. So yeah, it's based off of a movie that he made back in the seventies. Um, but it's pretty good so far, and I I enjoy it. Again, I'm only like four episodes into it. I've heard the first season's really good. The second season dips down a little bit, and then the third season just started a few weeks ago, and people are saying that's pretty good. So. If you want something like very science fiction heavy to watch Westworld, but like you said, like it's very, you got to really pay attention to it and it's, it's very like popular right now. Um, and I don't know how much of that is just due to the fact that it's like the hit thing that's on TV and how much is that is due to the fact that it's actually good, but I, I've enjoying it so far. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I, I watched, I watched a season, the first season, season. but it took everything in me to finish and okay. i was like i can't i can't do it um but i do think you'll have a lot more luck with it because i do think it's so much more up your alley okay and that that was me with like game of thrones for whatever reason i just could not get mm, into game yeah. of thrones i tried the first season a couple of times i still have not watched it i know it's very popular people like it you watched it but for some reason and that's the thing not every show is for every person so right and i feel like hbo makes more niche type shows anyway they cater to smaller audiences than like a Netflix or a, you know, NBC or somebody like that would. So I feel yeah. like if you find a show that you like, you really like that show on HBO, but there's a couple of them that like I've tried to watch and just like, this just is not, just not into this. So I think it really is. It depends on what your interests are on HBO for those, but Westworld I've liked it so far, but I got to kind of cruise through some more. So that is what mm-hmm. we have been watching and reading during this time. So if you need any recommendations, you can take some of those and we'll take a quick break and then we'll get into our review of Gladiator. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about Gladiator, which was chosen in the People's Choice poll that we put up on yes. social media. We had a couple different choices in there and Gladiator won, which is one of my, um, I think growing up, it was one of my favorite movies. Watching it mm-hmm. uh, this week, I realized it's not as good as I think it was when I was like 14. Um, maybe that's just because I hadn't seen a lot of movies at that point. It's still good, but I just don't think it's, I, I think like, you know, you watch this at like 14, 15, you're like, that was 
a masterpiece um, just because you haven't seen that many movies <laughs> yes, yet. You're so, exactly right. Um, or that many like adult themed movies. So yeah, that was that was for me. It came out May 5th of 2000. So this year is its 20th anniversary and its release date is actually coming up here very soon in just a couple weeks. It's rated R. It's two and a half hours, which is one thing that while I watched this again, I was like, man, this is this is a long movie. And right. you know how we feel about long movies on this show. So <laughs> I know how you feel. Yeah, how <laughs> I feel about long movies. movies. <laughs> I, it's, it takes a lot to get through them. So um, I did watch this in two sittings, as is normal with any movie over 90 minutes for Jared Boomer. So um, it's it, IMDb score, 8.5 out of 10. So very highly rated there. Critics, 76%. Audience, 87%. So pretty even rankings there. Um, and then box office wise, it made a decent amount of money, 187 million domestically. Again, you have to remember this is in 2000s dollars and then 460 right. million worldwide. It had a budget I looked up of about 100 million. So it definitely made its return on investment and I think inspired a lot of movies of this type. So like 300 is another one that comes to mind that came out like five years after this that was also very like gladiator based type deal. The King, which we just reviewed like a couple months ago. You could also say that, you know, some of its origins came from Gladiator just because Gladiator was so successful and had really big stars in it and kind of like reinvigorated that whole genre of like medieval type movies. So if you don't know, the synopsis is a former Roman general sets out to exact vengeance against the corrupt emperor who murdered his father and sent him into slavery. So that is the synopsis for Gladiator. Some critics' reviews. First up, we have Joe Morgenstern of the Wall Street Journal, who says Crow, speaking of Russell Crow, doesn't use tricks in this role to court our approval. He earns it the old-fashioned way by daring to be quiet, if not silent, and intensely implacably strong. Yes, I thought that was good. Uh, considering Crow actually won, finally won an Oscar for this role, I think that that's true. I would, I wouldn't say he carries the film like I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of strong acting in the film but he is definitely a reason that the movie was engaging and I think left such an impression on me yeah and I guess we should mention that this did win best picture back in what would that have been 2001 oh, yes. Oscars it 2001 best, best picture mm -hmm. so it did win best picture there and it won some other Oscars as well so it did very well critically, even if it has a kind of low critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the next one is Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader, who said, though the digital effects lack the weight and conviction of their equivalents in old Cecil B. DeMille movies, Ridley Scott's sword and sandal epic has some of the intensity of old Hollywood in terms of storytelling, spectacle, and violence. I think that's a good one, too. Spectacle is definitely there. A lot of those scenes in the Coliseum, those battles are definitely like the highlights of the movie and the one right at the beginning of the movie. So definitely think that's accurate. And then next up, we have David Denby of The New Yorker, who says Ridley Scott thrusts us so close to the combat that all we see is a lot of whirling and thrashing, a sword thrust here and there, a spurt of blood, a limb severed. There's hardly a scene that is cleanly and coherently staged in open space. <laughs> that one's kind of interesting, I think, um, just because I don't know if I totally agree with that one. Like some of the Coliseum scenes, I think, <laughs> have plenty of space between the actors. And I get some of the camera work is a little odd. Um, but I don't, it's not like everybody's in like one room together, all very closely bunched up against one another. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually agree with this one, but I did think it was funny. I, I will say the thing I liked about this one was that he pointed out the limb, like a spurt of blood, a limb sever, <laughs> because 
I remember when I was rewatching it, I was like, man, this really isn't as graphically violent as I thought it was. No. And f- you and I were talking before we even started recording about how it was rated R for intense graphic combat, but compared to movies today and how lifelike they seem, this one is child's play. Yeah, this would so probably get I like a PG-13 just, if it came out today. It has no yes. language. It has no sexual stuff. It has none of that. It's right. literally just for the violence. So Right. I So this guy, I mean, I needed to find something negative. There were other negative ones too, but I didn't think that they said anything that really like supported any okay. I, I there's some dislikes about this film but I was trying to find ones that might have supported how I felt about it or things I noticed and this one did and then off finally we have Alexander Walker of the London Evening Standard who says in Russell Crowe Scott has found an actor who can carry this movie the way Atlas was supposed to carry the globe of the world on his back in Crowe's case without stooping so everybody loved Crow in this movie. Nobody shouted out Joaquin, who was also very good and definitely <laughs> went on to become a great actor as well. So I'm just going to give some love to Joaquin Phoenix, too, um, who was good in this movie. It's directed by Ridley Scott. If you don't know, he's done a ton of movies. Blade Runner, the original one, Alien, Thelma and Louise, Black Hawk Down, Prometheus, and The Martian. And I didn't know this, but apparently you said that there is a sequel in the works. Or I'm reading the yeah. Wikipedia right now, and it kind of looks like the second Avatar. Like I don't know if we'll ever it'll ever come out or not. Right. It was listed on IMDb. It just said Gladiator Two. That's all it said. Uh, but there was no other information. But I I wrote in the notes. I was like, but why? Yeah, why? why would we need to do <laughs> why a do sequel? We need, I don't understand. There were a couple things today that are in the notes that I was like, but why? But why? <laughs> so there's a quote here uh, from 2019 from two guys that says the sequel is still in development. They say we're working with Ridley Scott. That's one we wouldn't touch unless we felt okay. in a way to do it was legitimate. We're working with an amazing writer as well, Peter Craig. It picks up the story 30 years later, dot, 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 25 years later. The plot is expected to center on the story of Lucius. Okay, well, there you go. Okay. So that, I guess they're I'm, writing it. I don't know that I'm going to be invested in that story. Yeah. Dude, what? I guess they're writing it or working on it. I don't know. But yeah, they want Russell Crowe to come back, which is going to be weird 20 years later to reprise the same role. Because like in 2000, yeah, he does look like he could totally be like a gladiator. But now he looks like, you know, your dad kind of. So <laughs> he's just older now. <laughs> so it's weird to put him in like a glad, you know, if he's like 50 or whatever. Does that really make sense for him to be in Gladiator? So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's 56. I have mixed so, yeah. feelings. <laughs> He's definitely going to be an old Gladiator, but we'll see if that sequel ever comes out. And with that, we'll move on to Russell Crowe, who is the main star of this movie, and he plays Maximus. Yes. So, I'll keep these brief, mainly because I think people know who these people are. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe, he's best known for L.A. Confidential, Les Miserables, and A Beautiful Mind. Let's just let's just glide right past Les Miserables. Let's oh not talk gosh. about it. I think we all know how we feel, but let's not. Um, <laughs> he, he's been nominated for an Oscar three times for Best Actor uh, for A Beautiful Mind, Gladiator, and The Insider, and he won for Gladiator in 2001. He has two movies that are expected to come out this year called Unhinged, and the other one is The Georgetown Project. Okay, good to know. I do like Russell Crowe. I feel like he doesn't get talked about a ton, but he definitely oh. pumps out some good projects. So I yeah, think he's I think he's solid. a good actor. I don't, I don't like him as a person. So yeah. I, I struggle with him, but I, I think and he's talented. He's a terrible singer. So that has been oh, confirmed. And speaking of people that I think are super odd but extremely talented, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. 
Joaquin plays Commodus. He is, of course, best known for her, Walk the Line, The Master, and Joker. He has been nominated for four acting Oscars in all the previously mentioned movies, but he finally won this year for Joker. And then he has two movies that are listed to come out in 2020. But then I, this was the other one, Jared. I noticed that they have Joker 2 that's been announced. And I put, oh, okay, okay, but why? Why do we need that? Oh, because that movie but made so much fine. money. So that's why. I guess. Money talks. I guess. Uh, <laughs> lastly, we have Connie Nielsen. She plays Lucilla. She is best known for Wonder Woman, One Hour Photo. And Jared and I loved the show The Following. So I wanted to point out she was in that. Uh, next, you can see her reprise her role of Hippolyta in Wonder Woman 1984. And then she has two other films slated to come out in 2021. Um, and I definitely wanted to mention the supporting cast because it's a powerhouse of actors. Uh, Sir Richard Harris, before he passed away, Derek Jacobi, Oliver Reed, Jimon Hinshu, who I love, Hansu, Hansu, excuse me, and Tommy Flanagan, who, although I hated everything about Sons of Anarchy, he is in that show and he was a good character in it. So, yes, it does definitely have a good cast and not a huge cast, though, for a movie about gladiators. Like there's a lot of people in the right. movie, like extras and things, but like characters that we actually follow, there's not that many. So um, before we get into our likes and dislikes, I just wanted to recap with you the the 73rd Academy Awards, which is what Gladiator won at. Do you want to know what was nominated for Best Picture that year? Yes, okay. I do. I was sorry. I do want to know. I was trying to think, but I okay. can't think of it. So American it Beauty. Nope. Um, only oh, no, because it won. Yeah, only five movies got nominated because this was before they changed the rules. So Gladiator, right. Chocolat, uh, Crouching oh. Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron okay. Brockovich, and <gasps> Graphic were all what nominated. What a hodgepodge. I know. And Almost Famous was that one best original screenplay that year, but was not nominated for Best Picture, which is kind of surprising. So A little surprising, but eh, I, would, I wouldn't have picked that over gladiator or aaron brockovich yeah so it is a very a hodgepodge of movies though you've got a little yeah. bit of everything in there so weird yeah that is kind of weird the 2001 oscars kind of kind of odd those movies are good i wouldn't say any of those movies are like masterpieces um so it's kind of interesting that like those are the five that got nominated so yeah yeah okay that was the 2001 oscars just in case you were wondering um let's see here the show i'm trying to figure out who hosted the two the 2001 oscars steve martin Hosted for the first time. So there you go. Flashback for you. Love. So we'll get into our likes and dislikes now of Gladiator. First for the likes, the music is really great in this movie. It's con it's composed by Hans Zimmer, who is a great composer. Um, and I really do love the music. So that was one thing I noticed when I was watching it is the music is just really good kind of throughout the whole movie. Absolutely. That was the very first thing I put in my notes about what I loved about it. I knew it was Hans Zimmer. I didn't even have to look it up. I did check it, fact check it, but I knew it was him. Um, and it reminded me of 1917 because I thought it aided the film so well. And even if the actors weren't saying anything, you could tell kind of like the emotion that you were supposed to feel as a viewer uh, because mm -hmm. of the music that was playing. Um, another thing is the sets and the costumes are really great in this. It's very epic scale and everybody has to be decked out in like medieval gear and they do a really good job with that. I definitely agree with you. Um, I feel like when I watch it, that was something that I found engaging this time and all the other times I've watched it like that carried through to today watching it this week is that the set design and everything is just spectacular. I feel like everything that Lucilla wears also her makeup, her hairstyling, all of her costumes I noticed. And I especially like that 
with the actors in general, but especially with Lucilla, there's times where she doesn't look overdone and looks almost dirty, just like her hair, um, some of her makeup, and it's not as caked on as it is today in 2020. <laughs> um, but I think that that was really good. I feel like that was a conscious choice because that makes sense when you're standing in the middle of a Coliseum and it's, you know, ancient Rome, why you wouldn't have like blush or you wouldn't have, sorry, like um, uh, bronzer and other things like that just wouldn't wouldn't be the case. So I think they did a fantastic job and everything Lucilla wears, I wanted to wear it. Um, and then the set design in general, I, I don't even know who's really responsible for all of that, but I felt like I was transported into Roman, the Roman empire. And we should mention too, that this did win an Oscar for best costume design. So the Academy felt the same way as you and for best sound, not for best score, but for best like Hmm. sound, mixing i guess or editing something like that but han zimmer was nominated for best original score but lost out to crouching tiger hidden dragon so um, it was nominated for some of those categories that we have mentioned and like you said i think it's really like you said the makeup and the costumes or everything are very accurate that's one thing that annoys me in like these action movies the jurassic world movies come to mind it's like you'll have somebody just running away from dinosaurs but like their hair is perfectly done and their makeup looks great and they have like high heels on it's like what are you doing Jessica mm-hmm. Chastain that's not how we you know do that so <laughs> just just weird yep. sometimes with that type of stuff so next up um, another thing that um, we really liked about this movie is of course the acting we mentioned a lot of the actors weren't super famous when this came out but they were really became prominent and this is really good ensemble cast for Gladiator um, another thing that I like too is the action sequences I think are really well done Ridley Scott mm-hmm. really knows how to direct action sequences and those battles are really really good especially the battle with the beginning of the movie and then the battle at the end the climactic one between Maximus and Commodus I think is also really well done Yeah, Ridley Scott, I have to give him more credit because recently you and I were discussing um, favorite actors and directors, and he didn't even occur to me. And then I looked at the list of things he's done, and I was like, this guy is, he is such a master of of his craft. I know he does do a lot of action and sci-fi, but he is really spectacular. Um, But the actors, too, are fantastic. And I, I just couldn't believe back in 2000 how few, like, a lot of those actors weren't huge yet. And mm-hmm. I know that yeah. this movie had a lot to do with kind of catapulting them into, into being famous and everything. But I, I couldn't believe how many were not yet famous while this movie was made. Also, before we move into dislikes, I have to do a correction. So I don't have to do corrections corner next week. Please. Jessica Chastain is not in Jurassic world. That is, um, uh, Bryce well, Dallas, Bryce Howard. Dallas Howard. Yes. That's so <laughs> funny. You did that. Okay. I didn't actually hear the movie you said. Okay. Like it cut out. Okay. And then I, I, so when you said Jessica Chastain, I was like, wait, what? Cause I love her. Yeah. Um, but that's so funny because she jokes all the time. She and Bryce Dallas Howard are friends and they talk about how everyone thinks they're the same person and they're not. So sometimes Jessica Chastain has posted pictures of Bryce Dallas Howard in her Instagram just to see if people will notice the difference. They that's do look- so so funny very similar but yeah i was like <laughs> i don't think it's jessica chastain so i had to look it up it's bryce dallas howard so so sorry yes thank um, you so we'll move into our dislikes of gladiator now the biggest dislike is that this whole story really didn't happen like it's very oh inaccurate they made a lot of this up for the movie which if you're going to do a movie based on historical events it kind of helps if the events actually happened Obviously, the Roman Empire happened. They had fights in the Colosseum, all that kind of stuff. But um, some of this is like just insanely inaccurate. 
Yeah, this this movie, that really was the only thing I put that was like a thing I didn't care for about the film. I think this movie, I'm not surprised people voted for it because I think it holds a soft spot for people for a lot of things. It's good action, good acting. The dialogue is spectacular too. We didn't mention that, but there are so many sound bites from this film. Mm -hmm. Like, are you not entertained? I can't even tell you how many times my brother has yelled that at me (laughs) just to be funny. Um, Are you not entertained? Also like a, a... Oh, gosh. What did he say at the beginning? He says something about fighting. Oh, my gosh. I have to think of it. People are (laughs) screaming. I can hear them screaming in their car. Um, I'll have to think of it. But he... Oh, man. Another another big quote is Maximus's uh, brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. That's That's what I think that is what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 What we do in life echoes. And then even just the part, there's parts that are just seared. Thank you for remembering that. There's parts of this movie, though, that are just seared into my brain, like when his wife is reaching out to him and his son is running to him. And um, I actually, when his, I don't think this is a spoiler at this point, it's 20 years old, but when his (laughs) wife and child die and the snot is just coming out of his face, his nose and his mouth, and it's gross. I remember that. Like, that's a, I I think probably because there's, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Mm -hmm. And so I remember it when he's like trying to, to get his wife down and he's so sad anyway um yes historical inaccuracy thank you jared because i wrote a mini segment for us that i would like to call real talk with ray so my dad is ray you know him well yes and i texted him because i was like dad i i don't feel like doing reading extensive history about ancient rome especially because it's complicated so I just ask him to give me some some good stuff yeah, here. Yeah, we should and mention he, that Ray knows a bunch of stuff too. Like just he has does. He's tons a of facts memorized. Yes, I call him a walking dictionary. <laughs> and the nice thing about how smart he is is he's not pompous about it. No, he's not. But yeah. I'm also just like, Dad, where? How big is your brain? I don't understand. Anyway, so I told him he was getting his own segment. I don't think he cares, but we're calling it Real Talk with Ray. So Dad told me. Um, that Marcus Aurelius, so that's who Sir Richard Harris plays. My dad and I both love him as an actor too, so that was cool. Um, Marcus Aurelius in real life was a very complicated character. He was known for being a philosopher and an emperor. Uh, He was fairly good and reasonable. Those were the words my dad used. And he accepted being an emperor as his duty. So he took that seriously, like a lot of people take being in the military seriously. Like he did, he understood that that was a position of honor and took it seriously. Um, He was the last of what is known as the five good emperors. They ruled during the Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome. And then a direct quote that my dad said that I loved, he said, he was generous to the military and solicitous of the Senate, often asking their permission of approval on many matters, although by Roman law, he had no obligation to do so. So to me, what that Hmm, tells me is he's very bipartisan, was very um, like I kind of wanted to not ruffle feathers. Yeah, he's just like that person at work who's like, just wanted to run this by you before I right, do this. So like, right. I, I know I can do this because I'm, you know, above you in whatever um, yes. the hierarchy, but just wanted to make sure that you're okay with this before I actually do go ahead and do this. So, yes. And he was by no means a perfect person, but just giving you the, just that background. Um, he also, he wrote a book called uh, Meditations and it is still considered one of the best like f- philosophical books of all time. And then just to rewrite some wrongs from the film, uh, he died of natural causes at age 58. Okay. He was not smothered to death by his son. <laughs> um, Commodus did, although that was a cool, like what a creative, 
I thought that was great. Anyway, yeah. um, not that he died, but you get what I'm saying. Commodus did succeed him um, in for the throne or for power or whatever, but he it had nothing to do with his death. And okay. he had, for the last uh, 11 years prior to Marcus Aurelius's death, he had been co-ruling with his father. So he did kind of earn his position. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I won't say anything too much here. I will just say Commodus was known for being erratic. He lacked skill and judgment and was not a good <laughs> ruler. I just would like to say that that does seem to be, I see that in power sometimes. <laughs> um, he was assassinated though. Uh, he was in a bath and his, he had a slave who was his athletic trainer, uh, killed him. <laughs> so it was some part of some kind of conspiracy, but I don't know the whole story there. Uh, I was just imagining that being a part of the movie. Like we're building up to this <laughs> big final right. battle and instead he gets killed in a bathtub by his athletic trainer. Yeah. It just doesn't work sure. as well on the screen. So I can see why they changed that a little no, bit. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I know. I get why they did it. And then my dad, uh, lastly, he pointed out to me, I did think this was really cool. Um, they How they chose to show their religious practices. He said a lot of it was very similar to ancestor worship. Uh, a lot like he did say a lot of like um, Chinese religions. Um, so the tiny idol-like figures that Crow, you see Russell mm-hmm. Crow pray to, that's actually pretty appropriate for what would have been around then. And he said it was also just like a touching sentiment in that movie. And I agree with him. And then, cause I like seeing that crow, even if his faith is different than like modern day Christianity or something, I thought that was really important to include. And I liked that he relied on that and how they fully believe in an afterlife and that we see these people that we've lost and we've loved. Um, so I thought that was good. And then lastly, I already said lastly, but this is the real last thing. Uh, Crow's character is entirely fictitious, <laughs> completely made up for the film. There is no historical validity to it. So that the only thing I can really say about this movie is I hate how historically inaccurate it is. But otherwise, it's a great story. Very entertaining. Um, so many good dialogue and the costumes, the music, everything. It's a great film. I yeah, love it. it really is good. I had one other dislike, which is that sure. the CGI has not aged super well over the years. <laughs> Mainly the <laughs> fight with wrong. the tigers because um, that's like clearly a fake tiger <laughs> and it like jumps up on Russell Crowe and just the movements of it and like the camera is very jerky. So it's kind of obvious yeah. that it's like just kind of copy and pasted in there. I'm sure in 2000 it was very like cool. It looked very cool um, 20 years ago, but just nowadays it looks kind of outdated. And then also wanted to say another like that I had that I forgot to to mention is I really do like the final battle between Commodus and Maximus. Um, oh, where, yes. Where, spoiler alert, but again, this came out a while ago, where <laughs> Commodus dies and then Maximus <laughs> also dies um, and goes off to be with his his family, his wife and his daughter. But he's kind of got the satisfaction of knowing that he defeated Commodus and now he needs to go on and, and rest, basically. So I do really like the ending. Yeah. I think the ending is really well done. Um, and I like that it's kind of interesting how both characters die because you just don't see that a lot in movies nowadays one of them normally lives so um it Very is true Very it is true. kind of a cool way to kind of end the movie so that's that's kind of our thoughts on gladiator we'll go ahead and give it a grade now um i guess i'll go first on this episode because i don't know you go right ahead who went first on tiger king i can't remember but um i'm gonna give gladiator an 82 out of 100 so lovely pretty solid a little bit lower than the audience score on rotten tomatoes i think it's good i just don't think it holds up as well as i thought it did when i was like 14 just because i've seen some other movies um but it is still really entertaining if you've never seen it i would definitely suggest to watch it because it is worth your time especially 
pleasure to watch at least once. And we should say we've both seen this movie multiple times, too. So I think this was my fourth mm-hmm. or fifth time watching this. I know, Katie, you've seen it multiple times, too. I own it on DVD. So definitely it's yes. a good movie, but 82 out of 100 for me. Jared, I couldn't agree more with you. My <laughs> score, um, I'm giving it an 84. Okay. And I actually haven't given out a lot of 84s. I always check to see who I gave these out to. I gave yesterday about the Beatles, that movie, an 84. Um, but I, it's the, it's exactly the same. It's a great movie. I love watching it. I would rewatch this movie pretty much anytime anyone offered mm-hmm. it. But it's not aged as well as I thought it might have, both because of CGI. Um, I don't want violence, but also some of this is just not believable and it's not really teaching me about history. And I would rather watch something that teaches me a little Mm -hmm. bit about a time period or something. And I don't feel like this one's very accurate, but the acting and stuff is stellar. So 84 for me. Yeah, I feel like if this movie came out today, I don't know if it would be as highly appreciated just because I feel like we put a higher priority now on like if you're going to make a historical movie, you need to make it somewhat historically accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was as big a deal 20 years ago, but nowadays, I mean, one of the the best movies I think we saw last year was Harriet by, you know, both you and I's agreements yes. and the critics really liked it too. But that, that was one of the high praises of that movie is that it was very historically accurate with things that actually happened and how she led people, you know, to freedom and things like that. So I think definitely the fact that this is not that historically accurate kind of would probably put it down maybe a notch just in today's world. I don't know. That's just me though. So that's that's our review of Gladiator. Thanks so much for listening to that. And then we wanted to let you know on the next couple episodes of the Silver Screen Podcast, we're going to be reviewing our favorite movies. So uh, last year when we first started, we did an episode where we listed our top 10 favorite movies. So we're going to do each our number one favorite movie. So my favorite movie is Inception, directed by Christopher Nolan with Leo and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Ellen Page and bunch of, Michael Caine. A bunch of people are in that. And then Katie's favorite movie is The Shawshank Redemption. So we will be reviewing both of those here on the podcast. I'm excited to talk about both of those, mainly because they're just both completely different movies. Also, I think I've only seen Inception one time. I'm not kidding. I might have seen it twice. Uh, but definitely not more than twice. So okay. I'm still confused. So I think it's going to be really funny to talk to me about it when it's your favorite. And I'll probably be asking questions. That's, that's <laughs> but perfectly I'm looking fine. forward to it. Also, and Shawshank, we- I mean, I could talk about that for 10 years straight. So I'm pumped. Yes, we also should say too that um, Inception just came on Netflix at the beginning of this month. So <gasps> I didn't know. Thank you for telling me. Okay, that's perfect. If you would like to watch um, Inception, that is on Netflix, and The Shawshank Redemption also on Netflix right now. So both mm-hmm. of those you can watch on Netflix, and then if you haven't seen them, you can be prepared for those episodes which are coming up here on the Silver Screen Podcast. So those will be fun to talk about Inception and the Shawshank Redemption and you can listen to the show a lot of different ways Apple Podcasts tune in Spotify Google Podcasts we're in all those places be sure to follow us on social media at Podcast Silver on Instagram and Twitter and then just search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and you'll find us there you can also find the links to those in the description notes for this episode and our next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast we'll be talking about Inception until next time we'd like to thank the Academy <laughs> <laughs>